Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. in the corner into the dog days of summer which should be august by the time you hear this we've had a couple of days here in richmond that was that were so hot that we had a literal heat advisory the index up around 107 109 uh so it was basically in a lot of ways not really even safe to go outside and even that even that horrid hellscape uh, couldn't really convince me to sit down and watch a baseball game, uh, which I think is not a good sign for the old MLB. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not. <laughs> no, but Pierce, you uh, are are in a, I guess, a pretty good position on that front because we just recently talked about. Uh, you may be needing to abandon the Nationals, and it seems like you are working pretty quickly and have already found a new thing. Yeah, so I just visited some some friends in um, uh, Colorado this 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 past week or so, um, and they really do sports differently there. Everybody goes outdoors. I think everybody does a sport and does it well that's required to live in the state. Um, usually it's something that goes over rocks um so hiking um you know uh mountain biking speed unicycling off of mountains um that that type of stuff you know typical sports but um what that meant is i was waking up in the morning and they would put on things like the tour de france because that was still going on when i was there um and then also i was treated on friday saturday and sunday mornings to a little bit of F1. And all of a sudden, instead of watching, you know, baseball, and I do think, you know, we'll get in this, but like the morning sports is sometimes very nice when you don't have anything else going on. Um, uh, yeah, I'm watching F1 and I'm all of a sudden captivated by their practices and their qualifying runs. And it was a really good experience in a way that I haven't gotten from baseball in a long time and you know part of that could be its newness but I mean Kevin I I think you are somewhat steeped in you know maybe some NASCAR which I know is different and Sean you've you've watched some NASCAR earlier this year but I you know I think that there is you know there's other stuff out there and and maybe one of it is 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 racing yeah I was very impressionable when I was younger and my dad and my brother were both really into NASCAR. I think my brother still does watch them every once in a while, but it never really took hold. I went to the Richmond Speedway for one race and that was that was fun to go to. But I haven't and I don't know that I've given it an honest try, but the idea of it turns me off and it doesn't seem very entertaining to me. So I'd be interested to hear like A, what is interesting about watching racing and be the difference that you get as a spectator in a NASCAR versus an F1 type of thing. Um, so, and, and I haven't, I don't think I've ever really consumed 
uh, NASCAR. Um, uh, but I think that what was appealing to me for F1 is, and I haven't watched the the Netflix show about it. I, I think someone had it on, but I haven't really consumed it. But even without that, one thing that is clear is you have a very limited field of people. And so it's it's easy to become a fan or know the differences, know the rivalries. There's there's not that much to 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 get into, I think. I mean, it gets they get very complex very quickly, but I think at base that's very easy to follow. Um, also, because of that, like the competition itself, I, I think is easy to follow just in, you know, how people are doing and, and everything else. Um, and the commentators that I watch do a really good job of, of creating the drama. And I mean, just the way it's shot, it is an amazingly well-produced thing, which is, whereas with baseball, I know that things have gotten better, but you get kind of one shot or, or two different shots the whole time. It's like of the field, really wide lens and stuff, or you get, you know, uh, the pitcher um, view of the hitter. I mean, the, from behind the pitcher. Um, and the other thing, and it's similar to why I think Premier League is so appealing to me, is it takes two hours, and for us, it, it's it's in the morning. And I think a two hours of your weekend morning is a really nice thing to, to spend time with, and you're not taking away from, like, other daytime activities. And I think that that's really appealing in a way that baseball, it's like, I'm taking away from an evening. That's kind of interesting. Uh, is it, like, it's early morning? Like, like you know, just to compare it to... Premier League is it like the first game of the day that's on at 7 30 or are we talking more like a little later in the morning because at some point let's I, be I honest you start cutting into farmer's market time yeah well <laughs> I think that uh so so this was streamed at 8 30 but mm-hmm. I think it was it for east coast it probably would have been more like 10 a.m and I know this is a thing that I could check right now but I'm choosing not to um so I think that uh, it does go maybe mid-morning to noon. So you could get in, you know, some early farmer's market time beforehand. And a lot of it is streamed. You can't, uh, I mean, so that you can watch it as you wish. And I think that that's, that's really nice too. Um, baseball doesn't really do that as much because it's so wrapped up in the way we do media in America as opposed to something that is more European-based. Now, what, sorry, what is the streaming outlet for F1? Because I know that, obviously, you already mentioned Netflix as the home of F1 Drive to Survive, which I'm I'm sort of surprised anytime I hear about someone getting into the sport that didn't come in that way at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, where, where did you actually watch it? Uh, the people I was with had the F1 channel or our streaming service so they watched it there but i think it's also on peacock um so presumably you would have slightly different commentators and stuff like that but i was still really impressed with their crew and i know at least the miami race was on it must have been on regular nbc because i was at a brewery and it was on Mm. and i didn't don't recall it having peacock so i i I do think the thing like one of the things that differentiates f1 from something like nascar is you know it's not the tracks are different the courses are like they're courses they're not tracks it's not one 
oval that is the same oval that everyone drives a hundred times or 200 times or whatever. Um, and so there, there's an element of like course mastery that you have to have, uh, in order to do this well. So like we're introducing kind of extra levels of skill and complexity. Um, but also, like you said, there's just, there's much more, there is much more sort of interpersonal drama. And I think that's a function of a limited roster size, like you said, but also B the fact that this is all like euros. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Kevin, I would be interested with with that and in the differences. Also, I would say that, you know, NASCAR, I think that the idea is like these are people that would live down the street from you. And, and, you know, maybe they grew up in a racing household in some way. But, you know, they're from places like what is it? Canapolis, uh, North Carolina and like weird parts of Georgia. And, and the, you know, the idea of basically bootleggers is that's where NASCAR comes from. You watch the 20 drivers of F1, and they're all from money. Some of them are just sons of billionaires that, like, have paid for the team. And they're all very – they're pretty much all beautiful people. Like, they – like, in that way, they suck. Like, viewing it from – it's like, these people have no cares in the world, no worries. They're very rich. Everybody here is spending tons and tons of money. Versus NASCAR, it's like, I know how to turn left. Um, I could do that. And that person looks like me. D- mm. Does that maybe play into, and I think that's how baseball used to be as well. So maybe that's part of it. But is that part of the appeal for NASCAR versus, you know, hoity-toity, um, basically yachting, but with wheels? Yeah, well, I, so I don't know what the appeal of NASCAR is, but I got to imagine <laughs> that there's, you know, it's like a, it's, there are a lot of racing things that, aren't as popular as nascar there are so like if you think of um like yacht racing or uh crew those are kind of viewed as upper class things or you know skiing like a a lot of these things that are not things that most people in the country interact with whereas a lot of people drive cars and so um you know i'm sure there's there's a lot of culture to it but you know what cause that culture yeah maybe it is just the the fact that it's a it's a car and you can drive it around and drive it around fast in a circle and um yeah and maybe formula one will become more popular but then like yeah they might get alienated by these by these uh cars and the drivers who drive them well i mean that's yeah i guess it's interesting too because i think of i I do think of soccer a, a lot in this and you know, NASCAR is is not seen as hoity-toity at all, but um, which I mean, I, I, I think sometimes I've been almost turned off by how, uh, like, especially where I went to high school, it's like, oh, you know, you need to be a certain type of person to enjoy NASCAR, and that's usually a person that I was not thinking to be, and that's not true at all. You can be a fan, you know, whatever. Um, but I do think of this compared to... Um, you know, soccer, because I think there is a difference in like, oh, this is the F1 fan versus NASCAR fan. Whereas I feel like with soccer, you know, people who are fans of their local MLS team, which I see here in Atlanta a lot, they really are the same type of person who is who is a fan of uh, Premier League teams, which really feels like a certain hip echelon of, of person where it is, uh, you need to be a 
you know, an aspiring savant to watch it. Like the the average fan is someone who, you know, when I'm on Marta on the way to the game, they have takes and they, you know, go to cool restaurants and everything else. Whereas I feel like when you watch a Premier League game, the biggest fans in the stands are maybe the same people we think of as NASCAR fans here. You know, that kind of unfair. These are unfair broad brushes, but I, I no, do see no, no, no. I, I actually I don't think that is an unfair broad brush because at its core, like maybe not soccer, the game, but a lot of the English in English in particular as soccer clubs actually are sort of blue collar in their origin. It's people who who work together Um you know, and, and you know they they worked at the same factory, and sometime in like 1897 decided that they were gonna join up together and make this group. So like I, I think, you know, in terms of its actual roots, soccer is a little more toward it, it, this NASCAR end of the spectrum, as you put it. Um, it is mm-hmm. it is sort of shifted as it's become such like a a big money global deal but i I don't know i you know i i find some enjoyment in a nascar race and and it doesn't have to be like i don't i wouldn't say that i know anything about the sport i just it's kind of cool to watch car go fast um but there also is like there is some genuine interesting strategy in terms of like making your pit decisions and seeing like how fast the pit crews work. It's kind of, you know, it boggles the mind a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. So like in the same way, it's not exactly the same as watching Shaq dunk so hard that he breaks a a backboard, but there is a, a bit of a similar element that I think the the best most elite sports have which is you watch it and you go oh my god i am watching something that i could never in my wildest dreams possibly do and like i i think i feel that when i i feel that when i watch a a nascar race even though a lot of uh, a lot of people would probably tell you that they could do it they're lying they're 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 not lying but they're wrong they can't yeah i think but for me what comes up with that is the while the the pit crew is amazing and i don't think i can do any of this i feel like after i see a couple of them i've seen them all whereas i don't necessarily feel that way with you know shack alley-oops or whatever and it, it, it's you can you can easily reduce any of this to be like it's yeah it's all just like watching something um but it does feel like there's a bit more that changes in a basketball game than a race and that's kind of always been something for me that has been hard yeah i i that that makes sense that like each basketball game is different and and granted i, I just watched you can you can be on attack and you can be on defense in in racing that's that's totally totally true and the idea of things ever changing in basketball i get that and coaching along the way there are aspects in both but i can see how it's it it maybe is very nuanced and you have to get to a certain level to see that in 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 racing um but i do think 
kind of the heightened excitement of it too is you know when when you're playing a regular schedule in in sports and you're you know you go and you're home and away or you you know you you play a certain team five times a year whatever the case is i think one thing that's nice about racing is most of the tracks including a nascar they're all a little bit different they're they're tarmac and everything else each race is an event um and you know same can be said for for golf tournaments and everything else you are not only watching them compete against one another you are watching them compete against the um the environment they're in you know the fans of that particular place that particular nation i mean this the when i just watched it was a race in france that is france's grand prix that's that's the one they get for the year you know when they go to um, you know Talladega, that's when they go to Talladega for the year, and I think that that's that's cool. That adds some mystique and you know history to it every time, and I think that that is a cool thing that you really don't get in team sports in the same way. I mean, what you have is an individual compete against other individuals, and uh, that arena, whatever that looks like. So you know, someone who is really good on clay courts versus someone who's really good on grass courts it's the same thing it's like you know there is a whole other variable there and i think that that is exciting to me and certainly baseball has it in like oh you know i'm a lefty so i really like playing in boston because i can hit it over the green monster or, or whatever i can rake doubles up there see you know what's so funny about that is that in baseball uh, the the differences in all of the park designs seems really stupid to me. Like it seems mm -hmm. like a, a pretty obvious, you know, I don't, it's not like you can change where your walls are, are particularly quickly. So, but, but it's like, you know, the idea that a certain park is just hell on earth for left-handed hitters because the right field fence is like 415 like that what mm -hmm. what are we in no other in no other team sport is that the case like you play under the same conditions Whoa. on every basketball court in organized basketball oh well right? in football you've got if you play in a dome it's different but that's but no it's it's not really the field's like, not different yeah, the the actual the dimensions are not any different. The the you know the constraints the constraints of the playing surface are the same in every place. You have added wrinkles in the form of the elements, but like that's you know if if there were no dome stadiums, you'd have differences in weather. Uh, and and that's not yeah. but like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm saying like yeah because baseball and football are not sports or at least to me they're not like intended to be sports where there is that element of mastery of the environment um it seems batshit to me to have you know wild differences in park design um but i i don't know maybe i'm just maybe i'm being in inflexible or, or inconsistent about what i want i do so i have a group of friends here uh that are very into nascar and uh, they're they're big, uh, they're big on going to. There's like two 
one or two races a year at the Richmond Raceway. And uh, the, the rule that they have is that if you go for the first time, you are required to uh, purchase a, a T-shirt of some, of some variety, wear it at the race. And basically, the idea is that you kind of have to like pick a driver to get behind and, and invest yourself mm-hmm. in, you know, rooting for that particular driver. And so like, I think, I think something like that is actually a neat way. I have not indulged in it myself, but like that, that would be a kind of a neat way to, to get invested and, and, you know, access the, the more personal side. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm sure there's some sort of equivalent for that in, in F1 too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's why they created the the show because mm, you know mm-hmm. in America you can pretty you know historically you can pretty easily get connected with with the driver. I mean, you might you might be really into Tide, and then you know you root for the driver Tide you know driving the Tide car or or the Mountain Dew car. But there it's a little bit different because it's like oh I'm really into McLarens like again billionaire class like it's you know so i think that the show has helped a lot with that and like um i was just listening to something about how they mic'd up a lot of mlb players um in the all-star game and the thing is you know i think tnt has had a lot of success with the mic'd up stuff um but they like they pick the the most interesting things from the players and it will be synced up with like when they did a cool play. The thing that is cool is how they reacted to the cool play. Not like, oh, this guy's a good interview when he's just standing there trying not to drool in center field. Like, <laughs> what is interesting is matching up their greatness with, you know, give them, how do they react to the greatness? I think that that's, that's what it is. So, I mean, I think in getting that connection um that's kind of what the show has done and a huge thing when i was watching is that you get the radios you hear what they're saying on the radios and i know at nascar races that's historically like a big thing too because you can sit in the stands and hear them i described that as um you're sitting on the sink in the bathroom as someone goes about their business in the bathroom whatever that is it feels so intimate because these are people like going through very emotional things in their profession at the height of the profession. And you're sitting there getting, uh, you know, the reactions. One of the drivers <laughs> drove right into the wall and he was in the lead the other day and just gives a guttural, deep yells, no, elongated no for probably 10 seconds. And you get that. And I just, I felt, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm listening to this. But that's what's cool about it is like, they are great at this and you're getting their reaction, not an interview mid game with Aaron Boone, which, you know, no one needs, that's a good way to do a lobotomy. Yeah. No one needs that. No one needs that. Um, who did you get behind a driver during this race? Um, no, what I got behind was, uh, they did a good job of like allowing you to have your own take while you're there. Like, because you had the radio, um, a driver had a penalty that he needed to serve and it's does he do it at the end or do they pit and he'll do it and they're presenting you with this stuff and you're hearing on the radio 
the driver is in disagreement with his with his team about basically when to do it. And so I'm able to have a discussion with with who I'm with about that. And so like I was less interested in the driver specifically in more with their thought process. And that's a thing where, you know, maybe I'm not ever a driver, but you're able to be like, well, I could solve this problem. And that's I mean, that's ultimately the thing with sports that really captures you is like, oh, yeah, I used to I used to huck the pink skin around. I, I know that it's hard to make that throw or watching golf you're like oh no that that's a good lie i I disagree with what you're talking about i would i would totally put that within five feet of the hole it's it's allowing you in and making you feel like you can you know generate a take from your couch and isn't that what we all want more more time spent having and giving takes i mean yeah i mean that's the whole media complex is is about like people having takes. What, what is news if not takes? Oh shit! What is a podcast if not? We're part takes? of the media, aren't we? Damn it! Yeah, we're part of the big conglomerate. Oh big, no! Big, media. big take. Big take. <laughs> I, I think that's. I mean, I think that's not, one thing I I genuinely don't know is how how long does a NASCAR race typically take? Because I think it's much more than two hours. Uh, yeah, it's. I want to say three. Three sounds about right to me. Yeah, I think two hours is kind of perfect for 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 something like that. That's how long sports should take. Yeah. Um. Somebody tell me. Yeah, to me, it seems like it's got the same problem as as baseball. Where it's like I get that it has a lot of interesting components, but I feel like you have to really just be paying attention to get the most out of it. Which I believe is, oh, which I think yeah. is the case in baseball, and that's the thing that with with basketball and football is like, you know what? Today I just kind of want to tune in every ten seconds and maybe see something cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's only fifty three laps. It's capped at like two hours, and each lap is, I mean, when I was watching, it was like a minute and a half. Um, you know, so ten ten laps go by quick, and that's twenty percent of the race. So you, I mean, you really. The pause feature is wonderful for that. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, uh, when you're doing a non like traditional big four American sport, you need you you can't really pause without like throwing your phone away. Um, this I could watch and I didn't have to worry at all. I wasn't gonna get any texts about it. So watch sports that none of your other friends watch unless they're in the same room as you. I think that's the thing we should all take away from this. Um, yeah. Okay uh should we should we do pierce sorry sure all right well so on the same trip um i was in well actually i don't want to give too much detail because i don't know if i can if i can speak about this this place but um so i went to i found a tiki bar in the town i could tell it was relatively new um really cool decor um we walked by it's like it's like in a basement which is just such a cool thing i mean really a tremendous job with the core really fun to go so we went three of us um and we we get our we get our drinks you know we were sitting at the bar so we could see them making the drinks and i look at the menu and this is one of those where the problem really comes from being a snooty person and knowing too much but i looked at the menu as we're getting drinks and i i didn't say anything while we were we were there and we actually even talked to the bartender a bit but i looked at the menu and i was like 
huh, that's that's not what goes in a jungle bird, for example, or that's an interesting interpretation of a painkiller. Um, and so basically, and everybody enjoyed their drinks. I had a really good time, but I definitely thought that the drinks were lacking. And so I didn't say anything while we were there, um, I, especially because... I got a Saturn, for example, and the uh, bartender had talked about how they had remixed it. And it was fine, but it was definitely lacking in certain things. And I saw all the ingredients they were using, including the first thing they did with all drinks was put some water in the bottom. And maybe that's normal. I don't know. I, I've never been a bartender and I don't pay that close attention to them, but I've never seen anyone put water in my, <laughs> the bottom of my drink. Um but we, we, I, we got out of the restaurant and I did, I was like, if you all ever come visit me in my house or, or, you know, if you come to Atlanta, I will, I will take you to a tiki bar where they make a jungle bird properly because they just put bitters in it. They did not put a bitter liqueur. They did not put Campari. They did not put a different type of bitter liqueur, um, for example. And so I was like, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I did you wrong. And I had no idea going in. This is honestly, I, I I think there is a possibility that this has immediately vaulted very high on the ranking of the snootiest apologies you've ever given. Well, it's not even an apology. But that's the brand. Well, this is the F1 podcast. Yeah, it is. Uh, There you go. Um, It's just like, if you, you know, if you know how something should be, and like, it's, those are all business decisions. I understand that. And that's what I talked about. But I was like, that was, um, we all enjoyed ourselves and it can be better. And it should, some of it, it should have been. It's like, wow, you're really cutting corners. And I just had I just had no idea, and I felt like I had to say something because I knew knew this to be true, you know. Yeah. Um, See, that's why people like NASCAR they they know they just drink beer, and it's gonna be okay. As why why go in a curly queue when you can turn left? As I said the last time, if if you want to solve this problem that you see, you might have to get a new job. You might have to start bartending. I just I've I've been to enough like bars in general that like I know that that was weird and I know that the place is new it's only a few months old but uh, oh yeah I don't I, neither of us is arguing with you on that watering down the drinks is very strange uh, and and not mm-hmm. a thing you should be doing on uh, the only the only thing that I wonder if maybe this is their reasoning is uh, were they making these drinks with like kind of overproofed rum and trying to dilute it to normal strength which which again would be a weird thing well, to do because just they were using, get regular rum yeah they were using don q rum which is not a good rum um that that was the thing too is i'm like oh like their painkiller did not have all uh that that is a branded name it means that you have plus there's rum in it and they had a mix with huh. another rum and i was like i did not know that I mean, you don't have to do it that way, but it's like, I, I just, I get it. Like it was a business decision. And I also know that it can be more enjoyable. Inflation, man. 
Yeah, uh, skimflation. That's what it was. Ooh. Okay, uh, but I mean, at that point, just put more ice in it. Uh, but yeah, uh, God, uh, I didn't even think about that as a possible cause. Woof. Uh, okay, we should probably uh, just move on from that to to something slightly less apocalyptic uh, for for this week's big idea from pop culture, um, which is that uh, following a recommendation from the Channel Six book club i just finished midnight in chernobyl oh i bet that was an uplifting (laughs) less apocalyptic than the than the colorado tiki bar watering down its drinks um Mm -hmm. you know it's uh it was a great book it was fascinating uh and it, it just like it it hit my wheelhouse perfectly which is nonfiction but with like a zippy narrative structure like it really you know it was a gripping read um but the Mm -hmm. specific reason that i I am recommending uh this book and, and one of the things that i enjoyed the most about it was the sheer number of times uh that it is um either sort of implied or just outright expressed that the Soviets believed uh, vodka and to a lesser extent red wine to have some sort of magical medicinal properties that would actually inoculate people against the effects of nuclear radiation. Worth the price of admission on its own. Man. Yeah. Like, they have, they there continue to be in that area of the world and there always have been really, really smart scientists. Um, them having uh, platforms to express their knowledge, not always been great, but I feel like someone could have been like, you know, actually not, not true, not true. <laughs> it will, uh, I think it will not shock anyone uh, who, who reads this book and, and knows anything about, the Chernobyl disaster or sort of the general arc of the Soviet Union uh, that most of the problems uh, were of uh, bureaucracy and accountability more than they were of science. So, yeah, Pierce, did you not live through the last like two years and just because you have oh. science and you have a platform to say if something's wrong or not doesn't mean that it gets uh oh boy well that the right thing happens there there's there's a lot in that those people had the platforms it's just some people are, are told by people that they worship to not um to not uh to not believe those people because it doesn't feel right you know again we're, we're post we're that's yes you've described the last two years very well yeah. Post post truth that was that was pre post truth that was in the truth era. Mm, but they, mm-hmm. anyways, I'm not I'm not we're not solving for that. We're not solving for that. <laughs> uh, but what you guys maybe will be solving for is this week's Rolling Stone rock trivia question. Oh, is it algebra? Finally, I can get one right. It, it is not. Um, but oh. Pierce is on a bit of a hot streak and is hoping to keep it going. Um, so. There's a, a, a band called the Yardbirds that was an mm-hmm. incubator, no pun intended, for 
many of the the great uh, British blues rock guitarists of history. Which one of them was not ever in the Yardbirds? Was it A, Jeff Beck, B, Eric Clapton, C, Jimmy Page, or D, Ronnie Wood? Good Jimmy Page. Um, I think Ronnie Wood. The streak lives. It is Ronnie Wood who was never in the <laughs> oh, He's goodness. too old. He's too old. He was like dead by the, by the time the rest of those guys started playing guitar. Ronnie Wood is no, the, the young Rolling Stone. Well, I guess, sorry, yes. I, some members of the Rolling Stones have died. You'll you'll forgive me. But, like, I knew he was with the Rolling Stones, and they're, like, a, a, a half to a full generation, I think, older than, than the rest of those. Mm. Probably half older than Paige, and then certainly Clapton, and then Beck, I don't, Jeff Beck, I don't know when he was popular. But I, I'd fact check this, but we, we, had the, we had to let the intern go. Um. <laughs> Shrinkflation, indeed. Yeah. Or sk- that's really skimflation. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just a bit salty since it seemed like, he, yeah, I guess uh, J- Jimmy Page is three years older. So. Then, then whom? Then Ronnie Wood. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, it doesn't matter how you, he got it right. It's fine. Yeah. I'll shake his hand and say good game. <laughs> As as goes as goes in life, uh, in this instance, Eric Clapton was wrong. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web at www.prettyokpod.com or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.